Hello, and welcome to The Marketeer, a podcast where we talk all things branding, design, and of course, marketing. I'm your host, Bryn McIntyre. On today's podcast, we are doing an in-depth episode with Courtney Coffey. Courtney is a producer, content creator, social media expert, actor, and confidence coach based in Los Angeles, California. She's currently an associate producer at Walt Disney Television. Outside of her position with ABC, she's an actor and digital content creator. On this episode, Courtney and I talk about the world of content creation, how to get started, and why we're both so passionate about creating content. It's nice to talk to you. I know. We haven't talked, I don't think, on the phone in forever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we just did, but it was probably like three months ago. I don't know what time. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, time passes I anymore. Like, I feel like time means nothing these days. So everything feels like it happened 100 years ago or yesterday or kind of both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me. I'm kind of just using the podcast as an, as an excuse for us to kind of talk about some fun content kind of stuff. That's cool. I'm excited. I'm here for it. Awesome. I love it. Well, and I thought you would actually be the perfect person to talk about content creation because I think you do an awesome job at that. You've been working on that a lot lately, especially. I feel like you're doing a million things at once all the time and it always turns out amazing, or at least that's just my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I'm also doing a million things at once. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing, so it's not terrible to be busy. Yeah, I I feel like kind of quarantine helps a little bit because there's almost two times as much time in the day. Like there's, it's both hectic, but also there's a lot more time at home where you can kind of focus on stuff like that. Oh, for sure. I could not do this if I was still driving everywhere. Um, I, I will say that it's funny because I was really busy before quarantine. And then when I got in quarantine, I think I was like, I need something to fill all this extra time. And so I just started making more stuff. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I love that. I think I'm slowly catching up. I'm trying to also work on content creation and get back in the swing of things. But we're getting there. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Well, first, why don't you talk a little bit about where you work and what you do for some background information? Yeah. So my name is Corey Coffey. Um, my, like, job job, I guess. I have many jobs, but <laughs> um, my job job, I work at Walt Disney Television, specifically for the ABC Network, and I'm an associate producer there for the marketing team, so I help create and ideate um, the promos that go on TV for the shows and a lot of the digital content that you see on the show's Instagram, like uh, what Shark Tank posts, what um, The Bachelor posts, what Dancing the Stars post, but all of those shows post, so I help create those marketing campaigns, as well as go to shoots and um, kind of help run those when I need to. I would think that keeps you super, super busy. I feel like you guys are working on a bunch of different projects all the time. Yeah, um, it's so crazy, because we are launching Dancing with the Stars this week. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Favorite. Um, but Dancing with the Stars has been such a heavy lift this year. Like, I worked probably yeah. 50 hours last week just, like, making content for it and going back and forth with people about this show. Um, oh and gosh. obviously, there are other shows to pay attention to, so it's time to get started on that. But I think because – I can say it now since the promos are out. I think because there was such a a 
big focus on Carol Baskin being one of the contestants. <laughs> they were like, I didn't find that out until a couple days ago. That's yeah, so cool. Carol Baskin is on there, and then also Tyra being the new host. They also mm-hmm. wanted to figure out a way to capitalize on that, so um, it's been a lot. But beyond that, I you know have my own YouTube channel. I do some social media marketing. I um, create content for my own social media platforms. Uh, I have a blog. I started a blog during quarantine, so it's been really fun. And you do pageantry on top of all of that, too. And I'm sure that keeps you busy yeah, like photo I do ops do that. that. Yeah, I'm an actor and a model as well. Um, so I do have to go and <laughs> so a million projects that I work on. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do do pageantry, and I've done a few of those this year, which have been really fun because I get to go to events. Well, not recently, but <laughs> before quarantine, I was going to events. And, like, uh, volunteering a lot more and donating and taking pictures. One thing I think is really cool or what I've always kind of been interested in is I feel like we both have the same major at James Madison University, Media Arts and Design. And I feel like, I feel like maybe this is an assumption on my part, but I feel like you kind of knew, even, like, at a young age, that you were going to do kind of content and content creation or just more artistic kind of um, work. Because I know I kind of fell into that major and was like I like movies and like this sounds cool and it kind of just worked out but I feel like maybe that's um, a misconception on my part but I feel like at a young age you kind of even knew that you wanted to do stuff like this. Yeah I did actually so when I was in kindergarten I like knew I was going to be an actor like there was no question about it I was like I'm going to be on TV I'm going to be in commercials and I used to memorize commercials I used to write my own plays and I used to, like, film my own movies and, like, cast that. my friends and my, <laughs> my friends' dogs in them. <laughs> yeah, and then as I grew up, you know, I got more into the behind-the-scenes stuff. So I learned more about cinematography. I learned more about editing. My first, like, I'm going to say feature lens, but it was, like, an hour. So it wasn't, like, super long. Um, mm-hmm. My first, like, feature in film that I entered into, like, a contest, which is, like, my child's little festival was in eighth grade and it won it was a documentary <laughs> um That's so and so yeah I've really been involved in content creation in the arts and performing for my entire life and it's something that I can yeah. be a part of yeah I remember the was it the AccuView commercial I feel like that's how I knew that you were really invested oh my in God. kind of the arts young <laughs> well yeah I, I um you were doing that when I was making videos for class because I was in, um, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was my history class, actually. We had to make a video. And I remember even in 10th grade, we had to make this video with other members of our group. And it was just the worst thing ever. <laughs> it was so terrible. But it was the first thing I kind of had, like made myself, I guess. And it was a fun experience. But it was definitely college where I kind of got in the vibe of like figuring out how things should look and like just design principles and things like that but I feel like you did a great job even when you're like you know 14 15 putting content together well thanks I mean that that movie that one was made in Windows Movie Maker so like I didn't have a lot of resources back then um but I think definitely like going to college and getting the major that we were in, and we worked really well yeah. together, I'm just saying. But, um, <laughs> J- 
just like going through that process has really elevated things for both of us. I feel like. Yeah, no, I agree too. I think it's a really good jumping off point because I feel like there are some people who were like, yep, this was the major I definitely wanted. There are some people who were like, I've learned so many different things now that I'm actually in the industry, but I feel like it kind of gives you the background knowledge of like, this is what the industry is kind of like. You really have to network and make sure that you like meet people and get to know people because it's all, especially when I was in LA um, two summers ago, whatever it was, it's all about who you know and like getting those connections and then kind of working your way up within, you know, whether it's here, me working where I do in Harrisonburg in a smaller kind of community, even that, like with my internship, I interned with them and then that's how they got to know me and how I got the job I did now. So I think that that's one of the things that they really did good with the program is that emphasis on networking and really collaboration with others in the field. It's so true. I mean, I wouldn't have the job I have now without networking. And a lot of people come out here and they like, just like sit on the computer and apply for jobs and expect to get something. Yeah. And because LA is like such a big city, but I mean, especially right. or because content creation is such like a popular thing now and it's growing, like the competition is getting higher and a lot of people mm-hmm. just feel more comfortable hiring people that are either recommended to them or they know. So definitely important to network. Yeah, I think I think you just touched on it, especially with the way that things are and the technology that people have. There's so many people who are doing content creation of all kinds of different, you know, forms like video or people who have YouTube channels or people who start blogs or like it's just so much more accessible than it used to be. And so it really opens up the opportunity for people to do content creation. Well, I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like it's great because now most people can do it and be involved in it, but also it makes the pool so much wider. And then you have so many other competitors if that's something that you're actually doing as a career. Right. I agree. I think that um, it's great to have it be so accessible to people. Um, But I also think that because it is, and a lot of people who do it don't have either an education in it or haven't taken a course in it or haven't studied in it at all. And you don't really you don't have to study it to know how to do stuff, but to like truly create art within it, you should know some, you know, composition and study all of that stuff a little bit. Um, Yeah, no, I definitely agree. The quality of some, yeah, the quality of some content is just not there. And then people don't know the difference, honestly. And so they just (laughs) take what they can get and it can be a little frustrating sometimes. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's good that more people are interested in it, though, for sure. It gives you more yeah, we talked in the market. Yeah, we talked about that in grad school actually a couple of weeks ago, like the idea that there's so much more content, but then you have people who, like sometimes like the most popular YouTubers, like like the people who do like video game reviews and things like that, like their content isn't the best produced as far as like video standards go, but they're really, really popular because they're entertaining and people love listening to what they talk about. So it's interesting because you could have something really really well made and maybe nobody watches it or you could have something that maybe that's not as well done and everybody watches it and just it kind of depends on like your brand and like what your story is and like what you're actually kind of telling or marketing to people right and it different things are more important on different platforms like if you're going into social video and stuff like specifically youtube long form more um the personality of the talent is probably the most important thing, right, mm-hmm. over the everything else. 
when it comes to short form, like on Instagram or Facebook, usually the content is really important, and a lot of it's text-based, so you need to know how to do yeah. graphics and stuff. Um, so kind of knowing those design elements is important. And when it comes to broadcast and, like, uh, streaming platforms, that kind of content is really quality-based and talent-based as well, but um, you really, really have to have the quality there. Yeah, definitely. So Something I'm actually – Platform. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm interested to learn more about your YouTube channel channel and that platform because I think that's something that I know I personally don't have a lot of experience in something I haven't really touched in but I would love to hear more about your YouTube channel and I guess just kind of like your concept behind it and like what your goal was when you originally created it because I think you've done a great job and I actually talked about kind of just the iterative process in one of my last podcast episodes about how you design and you design and you design again and you kind of keep working at it to improve it and make it better. And I think that's something that you've done really well on your channel is you've kind of, I know, changed the name and like adjusted the designs and things like that over time. And I think you've done an awesome job at that. So I'd love to hear more about kind of what you were thinking when you originally created the YouTube channel and kind of like why you wanted to even do that and like what your goal was, what the message was. Yeah, it's funny because I just changed my like cover art again like yesterday. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> But, yeah, so um, at the beginning of quarantine, I was like, I should create a YouTube channel because I like making videos. Like, that's my first love, right? And I mm-hmm. like being on camera, my first love. So put those two things together, and now I have the time to do it. I should do it just, like, for fun. Um, and at first, it was hard for me to kind of niche down and figure out what I wanted to post. So I started posting immediately because I was like, let me just start because that's something I've noticed about myself when I feel like nothing is perfect enough, I won't start. And so I've been working on pushing myself to just start because it's never going to be perfect enough for me to post it, right? <laughs> so I just started posting like story times. I started posting content that I think I would like watching. And eventually it kind of morphed into this, this program that I call um, – your morning cup of coffee, because my last name's coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it focuses on kind of stuff that you would want to hear at the beginning of your day to make your day go well. It focuses on, you know, positivity. It focuses on becoming the best version of yourself and self-improvement. And I've also been working on a lot of that since we all have time to reflect now on our mm-hmm. lives and how we are outwardly towards people. Um, so I've been doing a lot of research and work on that. And so, yeah, it's just like speaking my truth and speaking to things that I think I wish I knew coming out of college and coming out of big transitions that I've gone through in my life. And I think you came out with it at a perfect time. With everything that's going on right now, things have just been so crazy and hectic, but I love that you kind of put together this this pot or not podcast, this YouTube channel that really focuses on positivity and good energy and pro tips and things like that. I think it's like the perfect kind of thing right now and exactly what everybody needs. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, it's growing right now. And even if it helps one person, I mean, that's what I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it to have millions and millions of subscribers and doing it to yeah. put some good energy into the world. What would you it. say? <laughs> Like, since you just kind of started this recently, or um, I know I've been, like, working up towards this, do you, what tips would you give to somebody who, like, might wanting to be starting their own personal content creation or, like, don't even know how to get started and just, like, want to know, like, what they should do first, maybe? 
Yeah, so if you're looking to start a YouTube channel specifically, I would say just start, <laughs> you know. Think about mm -hmm. something that you like, that you enjoy doing or talking about, and pick that. Don't pick something that you think is going to be popular because if you continue doing your or your YouTube channel long term, uh, you're going to burn out if you don't enjoy what you're talking about or what you're doing mm -hmm. on the channel. So make sure that it's something that you really enjoy and something that you want to share with other people and you're not doing it to have a lot of subscribers or to get monetized because very it's very rare to just, you know, immediately advocate be a popular channel. It happens. It yeah. doesn't happen very often. And mm -hmm. so it takes a lot of time to grow. And that can take a year, two years, three years, four years. A lot of people on YouTube have been growing their channel since, like, literally 2010. <laughs> so you have to go into it because you love it, especially because if you've ever edited a video before, it takes a while. It takes a while yeah. to uh, come up with your content. It takes a while to film and edit. And then if you're trying to do SEO optimization to make your video more searchable, it takes time to study mm -hmm. and learn that as well as actually doing it on your video. So just know that, you know, if you're going to do this, you really, you have to want to do it. Don't do it because yeah. you're not yeah. worth it. <laughs> well, and I think the people who even do get viral, like this guy, so I don't really do TikTok or watch TikTok, but recently I watched, I found this guy and I think it was through, <laughs> I think it's something I probably need to get more into because everybody else is on TikTok and I'm like behind now, but it's, um, I forget what his, his like handle is, I think it's called like angry reacts or angry reactions or something like that. And I just happened to find him through a BuzzFeed article, but it's like this guy who yells at people, but like yells nice, positive things. And it's kind of, it's really fun actually. I like it a lot, but it, it, he got like a million um, subscribers or followers, whatever it is on TikTok, like within like a week or something like that. But he was just doing it like kind of same thing where he was wanting to put some positive energy back out there and thought it would be a fun thing to do. And then all of a sudden had like a million subscribers. And even he was just so shocked that this had happened um, because, you know, he wasn't in it for that reason. He was in it to kind of do something fun, do something positive. And I watched the video where he found out that he had that many people who were following him and he was so surprised because I really think it's either like you work really, really hard and you work your way up or it's people who, and they're the, like the minimum amount of people who this happens to where they just get lucky and people happen to see them and it kind of, um, takes off. So I think this idea of virality is really hard to work towards. I think it's really just like timing and luck mostly, which is why I think you're spot on that it's really doesn't make sense to build your channel around that more so around like something sincere that you're really passionate about because then people will probably tend to follow you because you're really excited about what you're talking about and then they'll follow into that too. Right. TikTok is a different beast in itself, you know, if we want to talk about um, that. Um, <laughs> Totally different the algorithm, the algorithm changes every few months, and people can go from having like 100 subscribers to having 100,000 pretty quickly if mm -hmm. the algorithm is pushing out your content, but you have to figure out how to make that happen. And, you know, like you said, some people just get lucky, but it is a completely different beast in itself, unlike any yeah. other social platform. Right. I think that's hard, too, is there's so many. And so for people who are starting out especially, you have to almost learn, and I talked about this um, actually in the last episode, like just do different kinds of um, 
platforms that there are and they're all geared towards very different things and they all have very different audiences mm-hmm. so you really have to figure out where your audience lives and like what's gonna um what they're gonna be the most excited about so you know you're you might want to have a Facebook account, but it might not make sense for you to have a YouTube and things like that. Like it's just so much research that I think people don't realize that has to be done on the front end to make sure that, you know, they're putting together decent content if that's something that they want to do. Exactly. I don't think all platforms cater to everyone. So, yeah. And if you're trying to be on all platforms, I promise you, you're going to burn yourself out. It's too much. Yep. Especially (laughs) if you don't have a team behind you. So, right. Um, yeah, just focus on the ones that you truly love posting on because those are the ones that are going to help you most. Yeah, especially with the time commitment that you were talking about. Well, even like, you know, this podcast was something I've been thinking about doing for a long time. And like the amount of time it takes just to kind of schedule in advance and you got to make sure you edit. And it's something where I think it's spot on where you're saying you just have to do it because, I mean, this is the same thing where it happened during quarantine and during COVID. I kind of thought, you know, it's now or never might as well get started and see how it goes. But yeah, I definitely just kind of dove right in and hope for the best. And you hope it's something you can keep up with too, because it is so much time and investment every week. If it's something that you're pushing out every single week, depending on what your content is, you know, that's a lot of time and your day to put that together and then post it and make sure you got the right message. So I definitely think diving right in is kind of the best way to go because you sort of figure out those strategies along the way a little bit. There's only so much prep in advance I think you could do. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I think that the podcast market is incredible right now because Mm -hmm. it's still growing. Like there's still less than a million podcasts out there. Wow. And if you think about that, like that sounds like, okay, a million's a lot, but like there's, there's multiple millions of YouTube channels out there. Yeah. Uh, tons of TikTok accounts, obviously multiple millions of Instagram accounts out there. And so honestly, like more and more people are starting to listen to podcasts because people are mm-hmm. wanting to engage with content while they're doing other things like driving or cooking or whatever they're doing, taking their walks. I know that evening walks have been a great thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I listen to podcasts yeah. during that time. So the podcast market is an incredible thing to be a part of right now because it's growing and it's good yeah, to be definitely. in there. first. Yeah. And it's cool. I think you still get that kind of collaborative aspect because, you know, you could have somebody on your podcast and maybe they have one too. And like you are able to be on theirs. Like you still kind of get that fun collaboration just in a different way than other platforms, I think for sure. Right. And a lot of people do it to also spread themselves across different platforms. Like some people mm-hmm. who create their podcasts set up a camera and record them recording their podcast so that they have a YouTube video to post, you know? And so you can kind of make different content out of the same content so you don't have to do double work. You just have more ways to be exposed to the public now, which I think is a very smart thing to do. Yeah, I agree completely. One question I had, kind of, because you were talking about Disney earlier and what you do on a day-to-day basis, would you say that your personal content creation is different than your, like, professional content creation, professional, like, as in your career and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Or would you say that they're kind of the same, it's just on different schedules almost? They're very different. (laughs) They're very different. Um, Not just because, you know, with working with a network, you have to go through a lot of people and you have to go through some standards and stuff to get something mm-hmm. on air or to get something on the digital accounts. But 
You know, the content that I post on my personal accounts is more for like geared towards something that I'm personally really, really passionate about and Mm -hmm. something that I feel like can help people and it's more raw, you know, less polished than what I have to put on air. What I put on air is definitely more polished. And, you know, I'm passionate about entertainment. That's why I act. That's why I am a part of this community. Um, But, you know, it's just people go to entertainment, they go to TV and film for an escape. Yeah. And I help promote that. And Mm -hmm. my YouTube channel is more helping you understand what you're going through rather than escaping it, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they're very different. Very, very different. Yeah, different audiences, different time commitments, and different, like, not quality, but, like, I hadn't even thought about the standards because, I mean, what um, what you and I do is, like, similar but also very, very different. You know what I mean? Like, I, we both work with video production, but because I'm here in Harrisburg in a local kind of smaller community, there's so many less restrictions. It's a not – I was going to say more creative. That's not true at all, but it's – it's different, I guess, how the companies are structured almost because you're kind of in the studio system, which is just very different than what we do. And I thought that was something really interesting to learn about when I was in LA, just because I'd already kind of been an intern where I'm at my current job. And then I went to LA and then I came back here. And it's so interesting kind of doing almost the same job, but in a way, very, very different jobs. Right. Yeah. Here, there's just a lot, a lot of people that have to approve what's going to be on air because the brand, especially Disney being such a big brand, such an influential brand, right? It has a voice. It has a specific, like, feeling when you think of Disney, when you think of ABC, when you think of Freeform. Those all give you different feelings. And so the content has to match those feelings. And the content also obviously has to go through logistical things like legal and standards and and all of that stuff to make sure that we don't get sued. So (laughs) um, there's a lot more to consider when you're posting stuff for. (laughs) Also with the time commitment too, because I would think that Dancing with the Stars would have taken like so much time to put those promotions together for, or is it a lot faster because you've got a deadline to meet or does it just depend on the project? Well, (laughs) there is a deadline. Um, Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's faster particularly. Um, so you create something and then you send it up the ladder and then they come back with notes and then you send it back up the ladder and they come back with notes mm-hmm. again. And the difference really is between you having the deadline be end of day today or the deadline being on Friday, like a week from now. Mm-hmm. It's just that, first of all, people get back to you faster. <laughs> so if you have something due end of day that day, people get back to you faster, hopefully, usually, but not always. Um, and there's just a lot more emailing and people being stressed about it because the people who have to deliver it are like, where is this? And the people at the ladder are like either in other meetings or like not answering you or they're just like, hold on for a second. We need to talk about this with other people. And you're just like, um, am I going to have to work overtime today to get this out? Which is usually the case (laughs) because it has to go out today. And so Mm -hmm. when you have more people like that, and those deadlines to me, and this has happened a lot with Dancing with the Stars because, oh, my God, we have so many fast turnarounds. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's just you have to work a little faster, maybe. Um, you have to work, be okay working later. 
and you have to be more responsive. Like, I really have to have Slack on all the time. I have to have my email on, be paying attention yeah. to all of that. So it's vital that everyone involved in the process is just on it that day or else yeah. it, it won't happen. Right. I think there's added pressure because there's so many people involved. Like, there's so many people that the project has to go through and so many approval processes. And I would think that there's probably more added pressure on this project, too, because not that there's not other content going out right now, but I feel like Dancing with the Stars is a really big thing. When TV's been kind of off air, you've had streaming, but, like, it's not been network TV as it traditionally would be lately, just with what's been going on with the coronavirus. So I would think that this is a really big deal, this kind of release and sense of normalcy going back to this, I would think is a little bit more pressure than there would be in other years also, just because of everything that's been going on. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That was a big thing in our preliminary meetings about the show a few months ago was that, you know, the show is actually being shot in the ballroom. And mm. it's a sense of normalcy for people because it's not over Zoom. It's not like people dancing in their, yeah. their living rooms, right? It's like actually on the set. And so it was a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis put on we have to do a lot for this show because this is one of the few things on TV that's first of all going to be new but yeah. second of all just going to feel normal again because you know a lot of the reunion episodes a lot of the new content that's been going out has been over Zoom or shot remotely because it had to be and now that production is slowly opening up again things are kind of starting to slowly produce but they have this really long approval process now to actually be allowed on set um but, yeah, it was a big push for that. And so, honestly, like, if we're talking about the launch of Dancing with the Stars last year compared to the launch of mm -hmm. Dancing with the Stars yeah. this year, there's a huge difference. Like, the amount of content I made for Dancing with the Stars last year was probably, like, one digital piece, and everyone else handled it. Like, the main lead producers handled that. But this year, it was literally our whole team. Our whole entire team was working on this show. And oh so God. it was crazy the amount of content we pushed out that's good though I'm glad you guys are busy because I know things have been so on and off within like you know the entertainment industry lately and I was talking to somebody else about tourism the other day and I know certain industries have been hit more than others so like I'm glad that you guys are busy and that you got something this exciting to work towards I think that's awesome yeah I'm very fortunate to be busy because yeah a lot of people are out of work right now yeah we're the same way here where it just if you're like all over the place, you know, it doesn't matter what industry or what location you're in, it's kind of half and half. Half people ended up out of jobs. And then, you know, we were concerned too, just because we're, we work in marketing, we work in video production. And usually from what we understood from the crash in 2008 and just like how the market typically goes, it seems like usually like creative advertising and marketing is one of the first things to go because people think that they can just do it themselves or they're not willing to pay for it. It's one of the things that they end up cutting their budget on because you have to worry about running your company. And so people end up seeing it as a um, a side necessity more than a primary necessity. So I think that was something we were concerned in going into the pandemic because we just weren't sure if people were going to be buying videos anymore or not. And we were really fortunate that people still had videos they had to make, but it was just different, just videos on Zoom and videos in place of events that they would have typically had in person and things like that. And so we've been fortunate where I think people have seen the need for video in a different way than they had previously, a different way that they just never thought of before and see it as an alternative to things that would have typically been in person. So I think we've been really fortunate here too. 
Yeah, no, I I agree with that because what we're going through now is unlike anything that we've seen before. Dare I say unprecedented? Yeah. <laughs> <But>, right, <laughs> like everyone else is saying. But the way that people are reacting, one, especially being in 2020, is that video is a lot bigger than it was 10 years ago, right? Yeah. It's so much more important than it was 10 years ago. And people still need to know how to do it. People need to, need to know how to do it well because they need the business now more than ever. And so they need something that's captivating. They need something that gets people to still trust their business to be able to either come there in person if they're open or do what they need to do online, depending on what type of business it is. But it's mm -hmm. really, really important. I think it's, yeah, it's just crazy. But I feel like things are hopefully getting back to normal a little bit. They seem like they're getting better and um seems like I'm mean, just glad that you've been good and the industry is getting a little bit better and things are improving definitely. Yeah, I think California is a little behind on that. We're still very much shut down, but yeah, other places I know are opening up. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's good, though. I mean, at least you've been safe, and most people that I know things have been a little bit nuts, but I know everybody else that I know who's also in L.A. or in California with you has been safe, and so I'm just glad for that, if nothing else. Yeah, me too. I'm grateful, and I'm grateful that you guys are safe, too. Yeah. Well, on a little bit more of a, a positive note, we've got a question that we like to ask everybody at the end. That I'm curious what you think. Um, something that we always ask our guests is what is the design what is the design element logo or some type of branding that you've seen lately that you thought was cool or impressive I think this might be a little bit different because branding's been different these days it's not been as like flashy and in your face just because of the pandemic but is there any sort of like design or marketing campaign that you saw recently that you thought was really interesting or innovative you know what this is going to be so weird <laughs> it's going to sound so weird <laughs> but Okay, so like Mr. Peanut. <laughs> My sister and I talked about that on the episode I did with her, actually. <laughs> that was, I don't know why, but as soon as you said, I have this weird thing, I was thinking, I was like, that's fine. Mine was Mr. Peanut last time, and I thought it was so cool. <laughs> I just, it's so, it's so strange and like so captivating. Like, you want to watch more, you want to find out more. Mm -hmm. But it's a peanut. <laughs> I don't know. Their marketing well, team is doing incredible work over there. Well, so what's happened recently? So the last thing I saw was, like, I think the Super Bowl. So I haven't kept up with it. But, like, I know that they, like, did this campaign where they, like, killed Mr. Peanut. And then they did, like, a yep. memorial for him. And he, like, died in the ad. But then they, like, birthed or, like, they created a new character, I guess, like a baby peanut or something like that. So have they done anything with it since? Yeah, so Baby Peanut was in January, believe it or not. It wasn't last year. Um, okay. <laughs> and there was, I think it was last month when they were like, it's Peanut or Peanut number two, whatever his name is, um, 21st birthday. And everyone was like, it's only been a few months. How is he 29? <laughs> How is he aged <laughs> so quickly? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, um, Peanut's aged very quickly. Like the way they like pushed his narrative is hilarious and they had this whole like birthday oh party for him oh my gosh I just it's like a, a narrative like it's not just a marketing campaign it's like something mm -hmm. you want to follow and you're not always sure why because it's a peanut yep. like 
Oh man, I I think it's amazing. I think it's, it's a genius kind of like it's not even like a I was gonna say a rebrand campaign, but it's almost not. <laughs> like it's just like they've changed the character, but it's still planters and like that's everything's still consistent with the branding but they've kind of come up with this like whole narrative and it's fascinating like I wonder who came up with that idea like I always love thinking about like I wonder how this came up in the boardroom where somebody was like you know we should kill Mr. Peanut and like do a campaign everyone's like heck yeah so I always find it funny or I find it interesting like how that conversation would have happened or how that would have come up but like it's been such an interesting campaign because it's so different and like off the wall from anything I've seen before yeah I honestly want to know how they came up with he moved into a new apartment too um (laughs) (laughs) um I do want to know, like, what was going through the boardroom at that moment when they were like, you should kill him, make him a baby, age him 21 years in a few months. Like, that's cool. That's a, a great campaign. And yeah. they were like, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, we're all in. But, I mean, it works. It works. Yeah, that's so, so cool. No, I love it. And I don't know why this made me think of this, but this was a while back too. And this is another one that I thought was weird, but I was like, I think it's kind of genius. I'm not sure. Did you see the Burger King campaign they did like months back? Which one? There was one where they basically like, they molded the cheeseburgers. So they basically had this whole branding campaign where it basically was kind of saying that they don't use all kinds of stuff in their meat and in their food to keep it like, you know, cause they, people talk about how like you have a McDonald's burger and you can put it in like a time capsule, like a hundred years or however many years, like it looks the same because they put so much stuff in it that it's not like real food by that point because you add so much to it. So Burger King did this mm-hmm. like campaign where basically all of their photos were of like burgers with like intense, just like mold and fungus growing all over it. <laughs> And so they also had videos. So if you look it up on, I think, YouTube, you could see they have, like, a time lapse of, like, the burger molding. And it was kind of crazy because it's this really gross image. But the whole campaign was sort of saying, like, we actually use, like, proper ingredients. And, like, our burgers will mold over time. But, like, that is what it's, like, supposed to happen with food. So they sort of, like, kind of morphed it into this good thing of how, like it's good that their burgers are moldy sort of because it means that they're better for you in the long run but so all of their camp it was the craziest thing i'd seen because all their campaigns were photos of like burgers burgers with mold all over them and it was kind of nuts but kind of genius and like i still don't know how if it was effective or not like i still wonder if it was something that like hurt their fun like if in the long run people were like ew that's gross we're not going to burger king or if people were like, yeah, we're going to Burger King because, like, they actually use, like, real products in their food instead of putting a bunch of stuff in it that's bad for you. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting because usually you would be like, we're not going to show things that are gross on a food. Yeah. Like, usually that would deter people. You know? Yeah. yeah. But that is interesting because it is fast food and because there's been a lot of talk around different chains and how much food is actually in their food. <laughs> yeah. So right. wow, that is that is kind of smart. I wonder if that was effective too, because I would not have thought of that for a restaurant. Yeah. Well, and it's they. I think 
I'd have to look at the articles again, but I think they had like fungi, like experts on hand and like mold experts and like people who, because you know, like if you shoot a commercial with food, you have people who like make the food look nice, like a food stylist and they do it up. And I think they almost had the opposite where they like still had that aspect of it, but they basically had people on hand to make sure that like the burger molded properly. So they also had all this stuff going on behind the scenes to make sure that it looked the way they wanted it to in the photos. Like it was just so interesting. If you get a chance, I would look it up. It's kind of gross, <laughs> but you could look it up on like YouTube and they have like a time lapse of it molding over time. It was definitely something I never thought I'd see. And they had it on tons of posters and it was out and about, like they had it all over the place for a little while. Yeah. I definitely want to look that up because that is crazy. Yeah. Um, right. I, I also want to throw in that, you know, Wendy's always does a great job with their marketing. They do. Their social media <laughs> expert is amazing and not paid enough. And I do wonder if it's the same person or if they've had a couple different people. Like, I wonder if they're just really good about their tone and their voice and, like, what their branding is. Yeah. Or I wonder if they have had a consistent person behind the scenes who's been running it for a while now. But they do such a good job. And I never thought I'd say that about Wendy's. Like, because Wendy's is fine. <laughs> but, like, I never thought I'd be yeah. like, they're just killing it with their marketing. <laughs> They're they're really good at it. They're the only like restaurant that I follow on Twitter. <laughs> right, and, I just and I'm sure that's the same for most people. Doing. Yeah, yeah. No, they do such it's a good job. Entertaining. Well, I but feel like it's they, fun because now when you see that Wendy's has like posted something or something's going on, you know it's going to be something good. You know what I mean? Like you used to hear about Wendy's, you're like, ah, oh, whatever. So like if you find, I feel like more people are drawn to it now. So they're like, oh, something's going on with Wendy's. Like I gotta check it out. Right? And when you think about a restaurant, you're like, maybe I should go get Wendy's now. Like, right? It's smart. <laughs> like, they're, they're not they're really pushing. <laughs> yeah. They're not, like, pushing their, their food on you, but they're, like, implanting the idea in your mind, and you're like, I should go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that's all, like, marketing. I mean, like, Lane and I talked about that also on her episode of just, like, billboards and how, in a way, it's crazy to me the billboards are still a really effective way of marketing but like it's just that idea of having something out there and having people see it in a really visible way because billboards cost so much money and people still put money towards that like really big you know major restaurant chains and stores kind of along the side of the road like people still use billboards and it still works so I find that interesting too mm -hmm. yeah it is the same idea just to like let you know be like you can come here just so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we got things going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, to close things out, um, why don't we talk about a little bit about where people can find you, um, like your Instagrams and Facebooks, if you want people to look you up, or maybe other things that you're working on right now. I know you mentioned the YouTube channel, but like just kind of a plug of where people can find you and some of the things you're working on. Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at ccoffee, C-O-F-F-E-Y, 13. Um, same with my Twitter, same with my Facebook. <laughs> my uh, YouTube is youtube.com slash Courtney Coffee because they wouldn't let me put C Coffee 13. But yeah, you know, I'm still putting out inspirational videos or like positivity videos every Tuesday to help you become the best version of yourself. Last year we talked about trusting yourself. Not last year, last week. <laughs> last week we talked about trusting yourself. Um, and so that that's kind of like the same kind of content that I'm posting on my Instagram, except, you know, with different clear because it's not video, it's photo and graphics. 
and Twitter, I just, you know, talk. Um, I have a blog. It's Color Guard related, but if you're into that, it's simplycolorguard.com. And yeah, you know, uh, the next thing that I'm working on is expanding my reach on the content that I post on my TikTok, which is also at TikTok 13, just you know. Um, <laughs> expanding my reach on TikTok and expanding my reach on YouTube and kind of going into coaching people when it comes to confidence. So that's kind of my next venture. But if you have any questions or you want to talk or you just want to have a conversation, you can find me on any of those platforms. That's so great. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today, Courtney. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you soon, and we'll have to do this again, talk more content and things like that. Or we could do another episode another time and talk about some other topics. Yeah, I would love to talk about, like, getting started and the, our journeys, because I know our journeys have been a bit different, but also similar in some ways. So that would be really fun. Oh, that's true. That would be super fun. I would love that. Courtney, I'll let you go, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bryn. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much to Courtney Coffey, our guest on today's episode. If you'd like to connect with Courtney or see some of the content that she's been creating recently, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at CCOFFEY13, TikTok at Courtney A. Coffey, and YouTube at Courtney Coffey. We enjoyed talking about content creation with Courtney on today's episode. In the weeks to come, if there's a specific topic you'd like to learn more about, feel free to contact us at our email, info, I-N-F-O, at BrynMcIntyre.com. Or feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at McIntyre Marketing. I'm Bryn McIntyre, and this has been The Marketeer. Marketeer.